how do you co-parent with a narcissist? How do you actually work together one-on-one -on -one with a person that has been toxic and abusive to you, maybe even to your kids, and then now you're trying to figure out how to be able to handle 50-50 custody? How to be able to handle going back and forth, the drop-offs, the communication, the, the triggering moments that he's trying to do to you like day by day, how he's trying to manipulate the kids or condition them. Like when you deal with this aspect of having a toxic co-parent, you struggle with having effective communication because it's all trying to trigger, trying to control you. Maybe you want to create a healthier co-parenting dynamic or you're trying to figure out how do I even work past these challenges. Today, we're going to jump into some of the practical tools and strategies for co-parenting with a toxic person, helping you prioritize your well-being, the safety of yourself and the kids in your own peace of mind moving forward. If you guys are new here, my name is Ben Taylor. I'm a self-aware narcissist on this channel to provide awareness about narcissistic abuse. I'm the founder of Raw Motivations, the creator of the NARC app, and your guide in the 45-day challenge. I want to be able to help you actually move forward from where you are to where you want to go. The 45-Day Clarity Challenge helps you rewire your mindset, getting rid of the trauma bond, getting you out of the rumination, and ultimately helping you step up as a person of freedom, saying, this is who I am. This is my purpose, my vision, my values. You can access that at claritychallenge.net. When we talk about this aspect of co-parenting, it's difficult to have a co-parenting relationship with a toxic person. You've probably already seen that, or you've probably been searching about that, being like, how do I actually manage that? One of the things I want to bring up to first and foremost before we dive into the individual points is to think of the word co-parenting and how that's not really going to be applicable to your situation. Co-parenting works when you have two parents that are working together for a common goal, maybe the good of the kids. The problem is with a toxic person, they don't have that same common goal in mind. They might say that, but what actually shows up is not that common goal of actually caring about other people. So instead, what you need to be thinking of is a different word, which is parallel parenting. What this looks like is two separate lives, two separate aspects that happen simultaneously from each other of being able to say, hey, when the kids are with me, I focus on the kids and what they need during that time. So let's say they have a doctor's appointment. There's a doctor's appointment. The kid goes to the doctor's appointment with you. And that's it. When there's a doctor's appointment that falls on the other partner's day, then they go with that person. Very much separate lives. There's not a crossover. There's not really interaction. There's not really showing up at the same places together, things like that, but it's definitely separate lives. This is hard. It's not easy to do, but this is one of the easiest ways to move forward in separating so that you don't get triggered. And so this person doesn't have power and control over you. All right, so we're going to dive into four different topics and four things that I want to use to try to help you understand how to be able to move forward in this process. First and foremost, that I've mentioned a couple of times, but I want to make sure it's loud and clear for you, is using the BIF method for high conflict for communication practices. Now, what this looks like is brief, informative, friendly, and firm. The BIF method is an effective communication for any types of high conflict. It just works really well when we talk about narcissistic personality disorder and trying to co-parent with that, with that type of personality. So it emphasizes on helping you actually give a framework of what you're trying to do. It helps give a framework of, hey, this is how the text or the email needs to be laid out so that I'm not getting sucked into a toxic environment and I'm not responding emotionally. With doing this, it helps you say, hey, it needs to be brief needs to be short. We're not going to go into a whole lot of detail. We're not going to focus on a lot of things. We're only going to focus on what is essential. Just informative of like, hey, here are the facts. Here are the things that we need to do. You need to drop Johnny off at the school at 10 o'clock, like whatever it might be. Like it needs to be just informative. 
and it needs to maintain a friendly tone. You're like, why would it need to maintain a friendly tone? Well, especially if you're going through custody, court hearings, things like that, you don't want it to come across like you're being abusive to the other person because the court doesn't have the whole backstory. The court doesn't actually see that. So that's why it's important to also be friendly, okay? Friendly meaning, you know, different pieces of it, but not like, oh, I, I, I care about you so much, okay? You're not diving into this like an emotional way, but just being friendly like you would to a stranger, okay? Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing rude, nothing mean, okay? Uh, and then also as you move forward, it's just being firm saying, hey, here's the boundary, here's the line, I'm not letting you cross that because this is what I've decided for myself, for the kids, of where we currently are. Like this approach, what it does is it aims to minimize the misunderstandings of like, oh, you didn't say this, yep, yes, I did, here it is in the text. Diffuse the conflict of going back and forth, not responding reactively, not responding emotionally, but just dealing with just the facts. This helps you pull yourself out of it a little bit more, but still focus on your kids and still focus on them developing. So think of it this way, like instead of you jumping in and having this emotionally charged exchange back and forth with the toxic person, using the Biff method, you can start to respond to messages more concisely, just factual information. This is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. Only focusing on the child's needs. This helps you avoid personal remarks triggers, different things that are going to escalate conflicts. And instead, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. That's it. The second thing I want to bring up is utilizing third-party apps for communication. Now, this is especially important going through the court process. Different states, different places have different legalities, different jurisdictions, different aspects of like, hey, this would be approved, this wouldn't. So check with your state, check with um, attorneys, lawyers, whatever, whatever you might have already access to of like, hey, what is a good idea to be able to use? might be something like our Family Wizard or Talking Parents app, or there's a plethora of different apps out there that you can use in co-parenting situations. Now, the reason why we're using a third-party app is because it helps all the communication to come through one spot. There's less opportunity for you to get triggered if that person is no longer allowed to call you on the phone or to text you or to send you an email, but it all has to go through one spot. You can mute the notifications. You can check at certain times during the day. You can start to regulate it more then you're getting inundated from with a bunch of texts, phone calls, FaceTimes that ends up triggering and pushing you even further. Okay, so this whole piece is just to help you reduce contact, but it helps maintain the contact in one single spot. Especially going into the court process, this is very essential because then you have all the documentation of the communication in one place. A lot of them, that's why you want to check with different courts because they'll be like, hey, this one is acceptable, this one's not. These apps provide a structured platform. You can share important information. You can send money depending on what platform it is. You can send documents. You can have people sign it, like all different things. But it helps it all keep it all in one spot. That way you can actually show to the court, be like, hey, this person hasn't been showing up for the visitations. This person doesn't even care. Like he hasn't shown up at all over the past month. So why should we continue forward with giving him 50-50 custody? Or you could say like, hey, he won't communicate on the app at all. And they're like, okay, well, you're supposed to be on the app. Then you shut off all communication. There's no way that he can contact you for any way, for any reason, except on the app. Like you're pushing back to a certain place of saying, hey, this is what's going to help me, what's going to keep me safe, what's going to also help the kids, and we can also track this in the court system. Uh, our family wizard, talking parents, uh, co-parenter, like allows parents to minimize the communication in a neutral and like an organized place. So like look into some of those.
Okay, some of them, some of them are different. Some of them offer like calendars, like shared calendars, uh, expense tracking, secure messaging, uh, different pieces of transparency. It's like just look into see what might work best for you. Okay, now the third point I want to bring up really quick is making sure when you go through divorce, custody process, all the things like that, you create a parenting and communication agreement. You need to establish very, very clear and comprehensive parenting and communication agreements early on to set boundaries, to manage expectations, provide a framework of this is what it's going to look like. This is when you're dropping off. This is when you're picking up. This is what it looks like. These are the days that you have. These are the days I have. This is when you have to approve going out of the country, like all the different things. It needs to be there. But then you also have to have it set in there of what the communication needs to look like. Like all of our communication is going to go through talking parents app. Like all of our communication is going to go through whatever it might be. Like you have to get very, very clear. Now, this might be in the aspect of parallel parenting that when the child is with you, he doesn't get the call. And when the child is with him, you don't get the call. That is hard and it sucks in a lot of ways. But at the same time, if you establish something so clear and so stark, then you have less chance of getting triggered. Okay, you have less chance of the nurses trying to abuse you by calling the kids to try to trigger you, to try to mess with you, to try to make you spiral out. All right, the last thing that I put that kind of goes along with this as well with the third-party apps is also third-party communication and third-party drop-offs. So what this looks like is oftentimes having a middle person in between the relationship. This could be your attorney. This could be your lawyer of like, hey, all communication has to go through them. Or it could be a third person. It could be a family member. It could be um, someone else in your life that you trust and that you're like, hey, I need to have someone in between as like a buffer to like help me be able to process the things I need to process and not get triggered and inundated with everything that's going on. This could be out of just a healing standpoint. This could be out of a security standpoint, whatever it might be. Look into what's going to help you the best. Now, the same thing with third-party drop-offs, like being able to swap the kids like at school, then you never interact, you never see. Being able to switch the kids using a, a nanny or a babysitter, being able to not be in the house when this exchange happens, uh, getting, getting it where you can drop off at a third party's place, maybe your mom's or your dad's or friends or whatever it might be. You drop the kids off, the narcissist picks them up there. Or it could be you know something that's like very like public. Uh, we've had a couple of people that have done exchange at police stations. You know, where they drop the kids off, you know, kind of go back out and then the narcissist goes in and gets the kids. So like there's different pieces there. But the whole aspect is like setting up consistent ways so that you don't have to interact face to face with a toxic person. The majority of the time the toxic person knows if I can get in front of you, then I can typically control and manipulate you. If I can talk to you, then I can only get the conversation back to what I want. So be very careful about this and focus on trying to separate and give as much capacity for your healing, but also for your safety, for your kid's safety, mentally and emotionally as well. Hopefully that makes sense just giving you those like really quick, like four different tips going through this. If you're at the place where you're like, I need to break the trauma bond. I'm stuck with this person mentally and emotionally. I'm away, but I'm still stuck. Go to claritychallenge.net. We've got our 45-day clarity challenge there to try to help you understand and to move forward in your healing. When you're able to access this and do this, you're able to move forward understanding the story that you believe and not get sucked back into toxicity over and over again. If you haven't already, subscribe, like, rate, review. Uh, thank you so much for either listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube or any of the other platforms, and we'll see you guys next time.